If you would turn with me to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. The Hebrews considered Psalm 136 perhaps the greatest psalms of praise and thanksgiving in their songbook. And you'll notice, whether you're looking in your bulletin or in your Bible, uh, that there's a refrain repeated in all 26 verses, sort of like a chorus in our songs. Um, This is what's called an antiphonal hymn. The worship leader would recite the first line and either a choir or the congregation or both would respond with, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so as I read it, we're, we're going to read it antiphonally together this morning. And I'll read the first part of the verse and then you'll read with me and respond with me with the refrain, for his steadfast love endures forever. And as you're reading, as we're reading together, I want you to notice that there's only one command in this whole psalm. Give thanks to the Lord. He says it four times explicitly, but implicitly, it's all throughout the psalm. Give thanks to the Lord. But here's what I want you to ask as we're reading this. This crucial question, why? Why give thanks to the Lord? We're going to find out why as you stand with me and we read and hear together the word of the God who loves you. Psalm uh, 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever, and Og, king of Bashan, 
for his steadfast love endures forever and gave their land as a heritage for his steadfast love endures forever, a heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever, who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated, and I'll pray. Our Father, you are good, and all that you do is good. We ask that you would remind us by your word and spirit this morning that apart from you, we have no good thing. Remind us that because you did not hold back from us your own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all, we can now know that all that we get from you now is for our good. And it is for that and in the name of Jesus that we give you thanks. Amen. Our family had dinner with some dear friends of ours on Friday night. Uh, this past Friday night, and after dinner, we sat around this big round table, and we did something that was, I think, probably fairly unusual, maybe even countercultural. My friend Damon brought out a, a journal full of blank pages. He turned to the next blank page, and he said to us, this is our, our family's Thanksgiving book. Um, they explained that about Ten years ago, when their now-grown three boys were all still at home in the house, they had noticed that um, there was kind of a fragrance of grumbling and complaint filling the house and the family. And so they decided to start a new family tradition with the Thanksgiving book. And so at dinner, whenever the family is together for a meal, they go around the table and they give everyone the opportunity, if they'd like, to share one or more uh, things they're thankful for that day. And as they're sharing, Damon writes the name of the person in the book. And beside each of their offerings of thanksgiving, he writes a number. And they've been doing this for 10 years. So when we gathered with them for dinner on Friday night, we did that with them. And we started at number 12,058. <laughs> and uh, once everyone had a chance to speak, we concluded with number 12,101. 43 offerings of thanks were given around that table Friday night. Some were salted with tears, some were sweetened with laughter. But a house that could have been filled with grumbling was fragrant with gratitude that night. That's what God the Father wants for his family. That's what the Holy Spirit wants for his household. And God knows how easy it is for a tone of grumbling and complaining to take over his family, his people. 
The Hebrews were infamous for their grumbling. Numbers 14 says, The Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I've heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. That's why God gave his family Psalm 136 and the other Thanksgiving Psalms that were sung at the annual great feasts of Israel. And some scholars believe that Psalm 136 was sung especially at the Feast of Passover because Psalm 136 talks about Passover and the events that followed it. And so whenever God gathered his family together for a meal, he asked them, give thanks. And so we're going to look today in Psalm 136 at God's list of reasons to give God thanks. And uh, let's, let's start looking at that. In verse 1, he says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. So offering of thanks, number one, if we're writing it in our book, God is good. And that word good, uh, we, we can't even capture what the Hebrew word for good means. It means that God is pleasing to me. He's desirable to me. He's beautiful to me. I, I value him simply for who he is. And it strikes near the heart of Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden, near the heart of that sin that you and I continue to sin every day. Rather than give thanks for all that God had given them in creation and in himself, they doubted his goodness and reached out for something else, something they thought would be more. God says to his family, Israel, give thanks for what you have received in your good God. That's the first one. Then in verses two and three, he says, give thanks to the God of gods and to the Lord of lords. Um, This is offering of thanks number two. God is great, and there is none greater. He's the God of gods, if there really are any. He's the Lord of all lords who pretend to be lords. There's no reason for you to reach out to someone else besides him. You already have the best there is, and he's yours. So God says to his family, Israel, give thanks for what you've received in your great God. And then... The psalmist goes on to say that God has shown his people his goodness and greatness in the story of their creation and their redemption. So verses four to nine, he alone does great wonders who, who by, the un, by his own understanding made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. He describes creation. This is offering of thanks number three for God's family table. God is our creator. Your God created a place for you to live and love with him and be with him forever. He set up this entire world for you to enjoy together with him and with one another. And you can see his wonder and his wisdom everywhere you look. God says to his family, Israel, give thanks that I've given you a place to enjoy the fullness of who I am. And then in verses 10 to 24, The psalmist now walks them through the history of all that God did to rescue his family. And so offering of thanks number four is God is our redeemer. And he asked them to remember the story of his rescue. In verses 10 to 12, he he says, 
He talks about how he brought Israel out of bondage in Egypt in verses 13 to 16, how he made Israel pass through the Red Sea and led his people through the wilderness in 17 to 24, how he then brought his people into their land, out, through, into. This is the story of God's rescue. And as Nathan said, it culminates here in verses 23 and 25. This is what God did to rescue us. He didn't forget or leave them in their humiliation and shame. He remembered them in their low estate. And he did what they could not do for themselves. He rescued them from their foes. And then as their good shepherd, he cared even for the details of their lives. He fed them. He gave them food to eat. Notice in this, who who are the ones in need? Israel. And who did everything that was needed? God. They did nothing. He did everything. God says to his family, Israel, give thanks that I saw your greatest need and rescued you from your enemies and certain death and give thanks that I continued to care for your smallest needs because you're mine and I'm your shepherd. Wow. To have been given all of God's goodness and greatness, all of his goodness and greatness, all that he created for their enjoyment, and all that he did to redeem them from death and to life, those alone would be enough reason to give God thanks. But there's more. There's an old French proverb that says, gratitude is the memory of the heart. In other words, gratitude happens when our hearts remember what we've been given. But Psalm 136 tells us there's more to be grateful for. Psalm 136 teaches us that gratitude is remembering God's heart. Gratitude happens when we remember the heart of God behind all that God is for us and has done for us. 26 times you read it. 26 times the psalmist tells God's people why God is who he is for them and why God has done what he has done for him. It's because his steadfast love endures forever. Because God knows that our grumbling hearts will turn to grateful hearts when we remember his heart. So we have to ask, it was repeated 26 times, we've got to find out what it is. What is this steadfast love that endures forever? It's it's the translation of a Hebrew word, hesed. And it refers to God's covenant love, to the love of God for his people that compels him to remain faithful to the covenant he made with them. And so to feel the full effect of what God's steadfast covenant love means, we have to remember the covenant that God made with his people. So I want to read to you from Deuteronomy 7, and I want you to listen to what the Lord said to his people there. I want you to listen for words like steadfast and love, uh, steadfast love and faithfulness and covenant. Listen to what he said. God said, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured 
possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Oh my, that's glorious. Just think about that. You are his treasured possession. Well, they must have been a pretty big deal for God to want them, right? No, listen to what he continues to say. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. There's nothing in them, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And he also repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore be careful to do the commandment and the statutes and the rules that I command you today. And because you listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. He will love you, bless you, and multiply you. His steadfast love is the love that compels him to keep the promise he made to his people. But did you notice something odd in this passage? Did you notice the condition for this steadfast love? He said he keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, who listen to his rules and keep them. Well, we've got a problem. They've got a problem. Did they love God and listen and keep his rules? No. <laughs> Did God still keep the covenant and steadfast love with them that he promised to their fathers? Yes. How is this possible? How is it possible? How is it possible for God to keep his steadfast love for people who have not lived up to their end of the deal? Let me tell you about this steadfast love. Let me tell you how much God loves his people. He knew that his people would not keep the stipulations of the covenant he made with them. He knew that they would not listen to or do what he commanded. He knew that instead they would grumble against him and turn their backs on him and even worship the good gifts that he had given them for which they should be thankful. But God wanted to stay in covenant relationship with them. He wanted to stay in covenant relationship with them. So he wrapped himself in flesh and blood in Jesus so that he could keep their end of the covenant in their place. So that he could do what they would not know, what they would not, could not do. In Christ Jesus, God obeyed every command his people had promised to obey but refused to. In Christ Jesus, God paid the penalty that was promised to those who hate him. All those curses, God will not be slack with the one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Jesus took that for his people. 
Jesus fulfilled every obligation of the covenant for his people and was destroyed in the place of his people for their failure. That's what God's hesed, his steadfast love is like. That's the heart of God behind everything else that he is and does for his people. And the psalmist has to drill that into us 26 times. That's what's behind all of those other good things about God. It's his heart for us. Michael Card wrote a whole book about Hesed. And I love how he defines um, the Hesed love of God. He says, Hesed is when the person from whom I have the right to expect nothing gives me everything. God's Hesed love is when the person from whom I have the right to expect nothing gives me everything. And this is what pierces the heart and makes it bleed gratitude, the recognition that because I've sinned against God, I should expect nothing from him. But because of Jesus, he gives me everything. And friends, this is what we hear every week from Romans 8. At the end of our service, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, all who are in Christ get the goodness of God and the greatness of God. They get God the creator and God the redeemer, all because these good gifts have been bought for us with the blood of Jesus. But there's even more than that. Because of Jesus, that steadfast love of God endures forever. I once knew a man who told his wife all throughout their marriage, I told you on our wedding day I love you, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. What? That wouldn't work for me. Would that work for you? No. And that's why Psalm 136 repeats 26 times that God's love for you in Christ endures forever. It's an every second of every day love. It's a no matter what's going on love. Paul continues. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or 2020. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It endures forever and through everything. Every year, God's people would bring their grumbling hearts to the feast of Passover. They would sing one, uh, Psalm 136, and they would remember the steadfast love of the heart of God for them. They would see the blood of the Passover lamb shed for their rescue from judgment. 
they would taste the flesh of the Passover lamb sacrificed in their place. And they gave thanks to the God who loved them with his steadfast love. Every week we bring our, our grumbling hearts to this table to feast with our God. You know why this table is in some traditions called the Eucharist? Eucharist is the Greek word for thanksgiving. There are some church traditions that call this celebration the great thanksgiving. Jesus said, when you eat this bread, remember me. And when you drink this cup, remember me. When you gather at my table, remember my goodness. No one else was good enough to die in your place for your sin. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. When you gather at my table, remember my greatness. I'm the God of gods and the Lord of lords. No one else was powerful enough to conquer your enemies of sin, death, hell, and the grave. No one could do it. Your God is great. Jesus says, as you gather, remember and rehearse again the story of how I created and redeemed you, how I brought you out of bondage by my cross and resurrection, how I brought you through the waters of baptism to be marked as a member of my family, how I even now by my spirit bring you through the wilderness you travel until that day when I will finally bring you into the new heavens and the new earth to live with me forever. Remember, remember that all I have done and am doing and will do for you is because I love you and I will never stop loving you. Father, oh, convince us that that's what your heart is like for your people. Pierce us with your grace and let it let our hearts overflow with gratitude. Even as we come to this table, to this great thanksgiving, make Mountain Fellowship a grateful people because they know how much they are loved. In Christ, we pray. Amen.